0: Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Again, my name is uh, David Bickford. I'm the pastor here in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. The message I have today is gleaning the fields, prospecting for you. The text we'll be working from is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, Before we jump into that, though, like, you know, like the subheading is prospecting for you. And and part of the reason why I was thinking about this was I was having, you know, um, I was thinking about some of my past experiences in sales and having worked for multiple sales companies. My first sales job, though, was with a company called Edward Jones. And the way that they go to market after your training is they send you out there in a territory and they tell you, go out and prospect, go find, find some customers basically. And the way you go about doing that is you, you you put on a suit, you got your little name badge that, you know, says Edward Jones and then who you are and you go and you knock on a bunch of doors and you do what we call in the, in sales, cold calling. Cold calling can be a lot of things. It can be, you know, just picking up the phone and calling people you know, we've all had salespeople call us that way, but this form of cold calling is literally going door to door, knocking on doors, and just trying to strike up a conversation with somebody. And in this situation, within Edward Jones, I was a financial advisor. I'm asking, you know, them question, you know, pretty pretty sensitive questions about their financial, you know, situation. You know, if they've got been working with anybody to help them prepare for retirement. And basically, I'm right away going after something that's very a very sensitive subject to them. And, you know, I had to go and do this over and over and over again. And it just reminds me of of the, you know, how difficult that is for a lot of folks, how difficult that was for me, how emotionally draining that can be. But when we come back to our text, our text that we're going to be looking at today is it's for all extensive purposes. It's the great commission. It is what Jesus Christ has told us to do, uh, going forward after, you know, he had died and rose from the grave and he was about to, you know, ascend into heaven. And it was his command to us as believers on bringing forth the gospel. So let's go ahead and read that in verses, uh, 16 through 20, chapter 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that they have or all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age so these This is the command from the Lord to the disciples, and it's, there's really no wiggle room here. You know, we're basically being told, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that, you know, all of the teachings that Jesus had given the disciples. And, you know, then he's saying, but don't worry, I'm with you always till the end of the age. So, in this situation, we have to recognize that we are the meek, we are the poor in spirit, and we are only saved by the grace that comes directly from God. It's not of our own doing. It is only through the grace and the work of grace that is from our Father in heaven. We are called to be fishers of men, but we're also called to be like the poor, to glean the fields, to go find the fruit of the harvest that has fallen by the wayside, that is left be- left behind unwalted, unwanted. That idea of gleaning the fields is as as a harvester comes through and takes the choicest of fruits. There's always going to be stuff that's left, either fallen on the ground or there's going to be stuff on the edges, and that is what we're supposed to do: is we're supposed to pick that stuff up. And th- this is a a picture of Old Testament law where it was actually written out in the law to leave the ed the edges and to leave you know the left behind stuff for the poor for the the people who do not have property for the traveler so there's there's this built in you know safety net or welfare net that was built into the law that was there to take care of the people who were, were who were less fortunate and as a church we are supposed to be you know enacting in, in, in this ra- realm of bringing in those the the, the left behind so they can also partake in the banquet of the Lord. This so ultimately, this message that I'm that I'm preaching today came about because I was inspired by a conference sermon from Pastor Tom Payne, one of our leaders in our fellowship, in a conference from last January, you know, 2023. And so it really resonated with me. In Acts 1.8, it says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what we're called to be. We're called to be, you know, witnesses of the the gospel of Jesus Christ, what it has done in our lives and what it can do in your life as well. The entirety of the gospel is to share the message of Christ. The entire you know, Bible is set up on the premise of you know man falls and then God has a plan through Jesus Christ to bring us back into relationship with him. In fact, the very name Christian was meant to to invoke shame on those who were living according to the way back in first the first century church. it was a slur meant to be you know something that was a, a form of ridicule. But the supernatural truth is that we are meant to be, you know, Christ-like as Christians. As we live on earth, we are st- supposed to strive and focus all of our efforts on becoming less of who we think we are and more of who Christ is. So what does this mean? Am I supposed to lose myself for the sake of Jesus? I would say yes, emphatically yes. In fact, we, we can see this in the scripture through examples Of those who received miraculous healings from Jesus, their faith in Christ and the joy that sprang out of the change or of that change in the the lives of the men and women. And it was so so amazing that even the threat of violence wouldn't stop them from speaking of the power that they had in coming to Jesus Christ, in the healings of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 7.22, it says, for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. This whole idea is that even though we are free, because we're free of sin in Christ Jesus, we are bound to Christ in or by that sacrifice. By the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean, we are to be bound to him because he is our Savior. The woman at the well changed everything in her life in an instant after meeting Jesus. So here's a Samaritan woman who became a vocal evangelist for Jesus. She was the lowest of the social order. She was gathering water during the day because the women of the town wouldn't allow her to be around them because she was a harlot. She was living an unclean life. She was also a Samaritan, which meant that even the disciples would be prejudiced against her. Because the Jews and the and the Samaritans didn't intermingle. They didn't mix. It appears, though, that Jesus goes out of his way to interact with this woman, this Samaritan woman. And he does this constantly with other castoffs of society. In John 4, 7 through 10, we read, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that... You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who is it that is saying to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. My big takeaway with this little piece of scripture is that immediately after coming face to face with Jesus, this woman is transformed into a witnessing machine. It says in you know later on in John 4, which we're going to read here in a second, that because of her testimony, many others came to faith in Jesus Christ. So that this this, this situation unfolds where she is living a life of sin, set you know, segregated even amongst her own people, even amongst the women of her own people, because of the life she is living. She's cast off, she is outside of the norms of society. She comes face to face with Jesus Christ, and then we see her life dramatically change. In verses 39 through 42 of chapter 4, John chapter 4, it says, Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I had ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him and they asked him to stay with them, he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it "Is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is a key takeaway here. It's a key important thing to remember. She did the witnessing, which drew them to Christ. And then in Christ, and with, with the relationship they found in Christ, they can, they got saved. So God, the grace of God came to them and worked a miracle in their heart. But what what initially drew them to them was the witness of the Samaritan woman. I get very overwhelmed with the reality that we are called to have the same fire and zeal for the gospel. We too are meant to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the highways and the byways. It is not our place to judge the circumstance of those who we interact with, but rather to share with them the message of the cross. In Luke 14, this is confirmed via the parable of the great banquet. So let's pick this up. We're going to read verses 12 through 24, the parable of the great banquet. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they are also invite you in return and you are repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges, compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. I find this to be an interesting warning for us as Christians in the fact that we've had the invitation. We, we should not get lazy with the, with the gifts that we received from the Lord. We should not casually treat the gospel as something that can be put off for a different day, for a different time. I find that too much of the church world is content with this idea of being a social club. They can interact as friends, they can invite people casually to service and get togethers, but it's not for the sake of the gospel, but rather despite the gospel. The gospel is is, is a secondary piece of the, the fellowship that they tend to enjoy, where it should be the, the most important part and purpose of the of the the church's mission. What do I mean by that? Well, in our fellowship, we are supposed to hold to witnessing and giving our testimony. We do this because it's the power of that changed life that can and does affect people for Christ. It is the transformation that happens in a life touched by God and changed that is powerful. It is not the movie night, it's not the coffee, it's not the potlucks. All those things have their place and building fellowship with your, with your you know, brethren and your brothers and sisters in Christ. But it is the reality of the changed man or the changed woman. It is the drug addict that is set free in Jesus' name. It is the prostitute that is redeemed. It is the drunkard that gets sobered and saves his family. It is the narcissist that becomes generous and humble. It is to become less of yourself and more like Christ. This brings me to my first primary point, which is facing who we are. The fallen and the sinful. With this reality, we need to take a long, hard look in the mirror at who we are. You might have had a hard life. You might not have had a hard life, like the the woman at the well, or you, or like one of those poor souls that was demon possessed, like the the garrison demoniac. Maybe you just lie a little bit, steal a little. Maybe you don't do any of that, but rather. You are in your own mind perfect, or at least not as bad as the bums that live down the street. If that is where you are sitting, maybe you are more like one of the Pharisees or Sadducees that, in their hubris, plotted against Christ. How about this? Have you ever been walking down the street on outreach? You know, you're out there with the purpose of bringing forth the gospel, and you say to yourself. That that person doesn't need me to witness to them. That person doesn't look like the type to come to church. They don't look like the kind of person for me to, you know, to, to witness to. You know, well, I'm sure this isn't you, and you're truly going to witness to everybody or talk to everybody you meet and share the gospel with them. And that's great. And that's awesome. And I I I know that you have abundant fruit coming forth from your life because of it. But in Mark 5, 18 through 20, it says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. How he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So I'm not proud to say this, but I do struggle with, with, with witnessing all the time. Whether it's the fear of rejection, um, or maybe it's the fear that God's going to move, and now I'm going to have a lot more work to do. I do, you know, I believe that as Christians, we all battle this. And I'm not trying to say, you know, shame on you if you if you battle this, because I, I do myself battle this. But the reality is, is that we have to allow the love of Jesus Christ to work in our lives to the point where our love for him is going to change our view of others to the point where we will love our enemy we will love those that we do not know as much as he loves them so that that love will overpower us so that we are compelled to share our testimony with everybody we meet with with everybody we interact with so that they too can have the opportunity to turn to Christ so early in our fellowship history when we were still affiliated with another with another organization the foursquare church our lead pastor, Pastor Raymond Mitchell, decided to work with the young hippies that were getting saved during the Jesus People Movement. This was one of the things that kind of you know caused us to branch off from the Foursquare because at the time there was a, a there was a lot of people within you know these larger or more structured church organizations that didn't want these dirty hippies coming into church. They felt that they needed to clean up their act before they could be part of this Christian club. And we don't see that scripturally. We see that you get saved, people get saved, they come in. We want unsaved people coming in so that they can hear the message and that God can deal with them. Because again, it's only grace that separates us from them. It is nothing of our doing. It is the grace of Jesus Christ that has done a miracle in our lives. And so we have to remember that it's our job to bring the gospel forth. Not we're not we're not guard gatekeepers of the gospel. No, we're supposed to be heralds of the gospel. And my second point is facing the perfection of Christ. So the reality is that we all need to atone for our sins. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, he made a point to seek out those who were the sickest from their sin. He ministered to the sick, the unclean, and the poor. He did this with all authority, and we can see this in our text in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This was after the resurrection. This was also prophesied about in Daniel in 7.13. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and the kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So here's an excerpt from a sermon that I found from Charles Spurgeon. This one was titled, Perfection in Christ, and it truly drives home this idea that we need to face our own imperfections in order to understand the perfection of Christ. But then, while speaking of the doctrine of perfection, we must remember that according to the sacred oracles, perfection is absolutely necessary for all who hope to enter heaven. We may have lost perfection, but that does not alter God's demand for it. It may be impossible that we should ever be perfect in ourselves, but God demands that we should be perfect. The holy law was given to God, and if we wish to be saved by it, we must keep it perfectly No man is not perfect can ever hope to enter into heaven unless he can find perfection somewhere in another, if not in himself, he must be irretrievably ruined and driven from God's presence. No man under the sun can ever walk the starry plains of heaven or tread the golden shoots of bliss until he gets perfection somehow or somewhere. Let me tell you why. First of all, it would be unjust if God did not punish man. If he is not perfect, God required of all men originally that they should keep his law entirely. Now, if man is not perfect, it stands to reason that he must have broken God's law. Otherwise, he would be perfect. Having broken it, God has said, I will punish sin. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And with reverence to the most high God, we say it. If he does not punish every sin, he is not a just God. If he does not exact the punishment for every transgression, there is a blot upon his escutcheon. The whiteness of his throne is tinged with stains, and he is no longer that awfully, severely just God we have considered him to be. So, Charles Spurgeon continues in this vein for a lot longer in that sermon, but it clearly expresses our need for perfection and the reason for the judgment of sin. In order for God to be just, He must judge our sin. Spurgeon then brings us to the conclusion that we are only made perfect in Christ. We know of Christ's perfection from, you know, throughout the Bible. In Hebrews two ten, it says, "For it was fitting that He, for whom by whom all things exist, in bringing many in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder their salvation perfect through suffering." And then later in Hebrews five eight through ten. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And then finally in Hebrews 7, 28, it says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those other high, like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once and for all when he offered himself up. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This completion of what was spoken about in the old te- uh, the Old Testament Psalms. So this completed that. And 4 it says, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So this brings me to my fi- my final point, which is facing the revelation of Christ's sacrifice. In his perfection he died for us. When faced with the revelation of Christ's perfection, the woman at the well made an immediate and drastic change in her life. She became a powerful testimony and she did not hide the gift that she had received from Jesus. She shared this with everyone who would listen, and because of that, that, many others came to have faith in Christ. And And through Christ, they will be made perfect as well. When faced with the perfection of Jesus, it's undeniable. But once you come to realize his perfect victory came through his unstained sacrifice, then we get the real depth of the message today. Christ died for us as a final sacrifice to bring us back into right relationship with the Father. He willingly died on the cross for all of humanity's sins. He was beaten and abused. He was mocked and slandered. But even so, he went to the cross and offered himself as a final sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So as we close, I think it's critical to remember this sacrifice. One of the thieves on the cross came to his senses as he hung there face to face with the reality of the perfection of Christ and his own imperfection. He came to the reality of the sacrifice that was made for him right there beside him on the cross. This earthquake of revelation broke this man, and he turned from his ways, knowing he was being punished for his sins he that, that he committed, but yet still Christ was sacrificing himself for those very same sins. If you want to think about this in in a in a different way, here is a man hanging on the cross being judged for his for his sins, and he's going to die because of those sins. But when he dies and he passes on to eternity, God is not going to see his sins, but he's going to see his son Jesus Christ in his place. The eyes and the heart of the thief were broken. And he became immediately a powerful testimony from his own cross because of that revelation. In Luke 23, verses 39 to 43, we see this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed against him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Even at the very end, those who have a true revelation of Jesus Christ cannot help but testify unto his name. The reality of his perfection and his subsequent sacrifice is too great. That is why we are called to bear witness to his name. Above all else, we are to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. This is a challenge for sure, but it is only through the revelation of Christ Jesus in our heart that we can find the strength to accomplish our calling. That is why we need to pray to wash ourselves in the word of the Lord, to gather his brethren in the church so that we will be emboldened to fulfill our calling. When we continually come to face to face with this reality of his loving sacrifice It is impossible for us not to share what he has done for us. So share his message, share his perfection and his sacrifice to others, but also tell of your story, how Jesus has saved you from a life of sin, how he saved you from sorrows, depression, anxiety, how he saved you from anger, hate, and drunkenness. Share your testimony so that others will be also led to salvation in Christ if i could have every head bowed every eye closed as we we wrap this whole message up i just want to touch you know hone in if this message is spoken to you and and if god's dealing with your heart right now i want you to know there's hope i want you to know there's a way for you to accept the grace that's freely offered by god and this it's as simple as is just a, a recognition of wh- who you are and the fact that you are, you're you're You lack perfection and you need the covering of Jesus Christ. You need to be born again in Jesus Christ, as he tells us in the scripture. It's very simple. You can just you there's a a simple prayer you can do, and it just goes a little something like this: says, Dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you sent your son Jesus Christ, who died for my sins on the cross, and he rose from the grave. I repent of my sins and I accept your son Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for the grace that comes and the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. And I give you all the praise and glory. Amen. Simple prayer. All it is, is a recognition of your sin. Acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and his deity. And then that's that's salvation in a nutshell. Just like the the, the the thief on the cross. It doesn't even have to be a formal prayer or anything like that. It's just that recognition of sin, repentance from sin, acceptance of Christ as your Lord. I want to thank you for joining me again for this podcast. I pray that it it has touched you. I, I'm going to ask you too to to also like and share this podcast. Where however you're you're listening to it, please let, help me get this message out. Uh, help us grow. There's going, a lot of things that we're doing in the church that that I'm going to be able to, you know, bring forward in the next few months. But I really want to pray that God will breathe on us and that uh, it'll that the gospel message goes further and further forward. The whole point of this ministry is to bring the message forward. It's not to argue with other Christians. It's not to argue with other people who don't believe in Jesus. I'm not going to do that. My purpose is to bring the gospel forward. I'm not going to deal with secondary and tertiary issues. I just want to bring a simple, clean gospel message forward and, and share it with as many people as I can. If you, if you live in Salmon Arm, come and join us for church. I'm more than happy to talk with you there and work with you there. If you, if you're, if you're not nearby and you need help finding a church, reach out to me as well and. You know, I, would, I will help you find a church to lock into from one of the 3,500 you know, Potter's House or, or Christian Fellowship Ministry churches that are in the world. We have lots of churches, but we are all focused on a simple gospel message and bringing people to Jesus Christ so that the grace of God can come into their life as well. So again, thank you for listening. I can't wait for you to come back next time. God bless. To the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore salmon arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.